Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Clear as Mud, where we talk to game developers and artists from all walks of life about their personal and professional journeys. I'm your host, Maze. As always, our show is presented by Mudstack, the only asset management and collaboration platform custom-built for game studios and digital artists. Mudstack is now free for artists, so for more information, head on over to mudstack.com or join our Discord. Today, we're lucky to have as our guest David Tuccioroni, the Director of Development at VR Vision. We're going to cover topics like working at startups and the importance of work-life balance, or in his words, life-work balance, the importance of keeping a lean and dependable team, how the rebranding of Meta impacted the VR industry, as well as the exciting new developments in VR technology and what that means for the future of the industry. Without any further ado, here's David. So one of the first things that I wanted to talk about, this seemed like something you're very passionate about, is this life-work balance philosophy that you have. And if you could just explain in your own words what that is and how you apply that to working at VR Vision. For sure, yeah. I'm going to preface it with a simple thing, which is if you look at our parents or our grandparents, they had this, their mentality was you work in order to feed the family, in order to pay to give them a good life and maybe move out of the country, immigration, like my family, they're immigrants. So like theirs was always like, there was no balance. It was just work until you retire and then you take care of your grandkids and then you pass away. And then with our parents, there came this like work-life balance idea, which is you need to have balance outside work. You need to have these boundaries in place. So you need to enjoy yourself, have hobbies. And I think that's okay. But then I thought of like life-work balance, which is the idea is you should, if possible, be enjoying your work to its fullest or find work that you really enjoy. And then also keep a really good boundary and balance outside work so that when work is done, you turn off your brain and you get to enjoy your life. You get to have your hobbies. And the reason why I started thinking this way was because I noticed a lot of people around me, including myself coming into the workplace, you just don't have this balance and you just get overstressed and you get emotionally exhausted and you get so dedicated to your work. And it actually has a really negative feedback on not just your life and your emotions and your friends, obviously all that, but also has a bad feedback on the workplace. So here at Vera Vision, I tell that to everybody here. I have a lot of people here working for me and I always tell them like, when work is done, I don't want to see you working. I don't want you working weekends. That sounds weird. Most bosses, they want people to work their weekends. Like a company wants people to work for free. I don't really believe in that because if they're working on weekends, it's going to have a bad effect on the rest of their life. And therefore, it's going to have a bad effect when they come back to work on Monday. Yeah, that's pretty much how I started thinking. I think that's it's totally valid. And it, it is a shame that so many companies want to like work their employees to death. But I do think that we're starting to see a shift away from that mentality. Like we probably benefit more in the startup culture from the fact that our teams are relatively small. And so you do get to know people intimately and you start to see like their patterns emerge. It's more goal oriented, I think is how we envision things. And it really helps for me because it does let me feel like I have a life. And I think it's understated that having a life should come first. So I really like how you put it life work balance. You're putting your life first. Yeah, it's a pretty important thing i feel some people realize it my partner she does not realize it she's her work works her to death and she works herself to death and my dad's the same way i tell my dad hey i'm going to take some time off work my dad's you're taking vacation 
And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah. So like here, we have a similar kind of mind here where it's goal oriented. So as long as the work is done and it's done, then it looks good and it feels good. If you do it in less time, great. That's a good thing. We have more for you to do. It's definitely, I feel like it's going to take a long time to push that onto other companies because I do understand the need of, like, for instance, myself, it's ironic that I'm such a life work balance person. Like when I'm, it sounds weird when I take a shower, I think about work a lot because that's like the shower thoughts come in. I'm like, okay, this is like a great idea. And I'll think about it, I'll think about it. And then I'll write it down on my phone. Like <laughs> I'll write it on my phone and then I'll think about it more. And then I'll message the CEO. I'll be like, hey, I have this great idea for something. And it's 11 o'clock at night. But at the same time, I feel like there's some exceptions, which is when you're in a startup company or when you're high up like directors or CEOs or even you're really high up the totem pole, that's okay for you to do. But you also need to find balance. Like I know the CEO... Like he, outside work, he works, but I will catch him and I'll be like, message him. Hey, go play some games. Relax, please. Because I know I can tell when he gets stressed out. So I want him to be happy. I want everyone to just enjoy what they're doing. That's why here we do this thing called it's bi-weekly half day Thursday, which we have one today. So every other Thursday it's team building. So we all work together for fun. Like we play board games, watch movies, go outside. And when, during that, I always... I'm always like, work together, relax, enjoy your time together and build morale, basically. And at the same time, not just, it sounds cheesy. We're not here to build a family because you're not going to put people at your work eight hours a day or you interact with them eight hours a day. So it's basically like you're seeing them more than you see your own family most of the time. So it's important for you to enjoy the people you're working with as much as you can and also keep that balance in place, right? So it shouldn't just be... For instance, like just because I'm their leader just doesn't mean that they have to always treat me like that. Like you have to apply that life work on everything. Today, we are playing some board games. I know we've, we've, we've played so many. We've played Cards Against Humanity. We've played some Switch games. We do a lot of stuff. And we also do Frisbee because we actually have a park 10 seconds that way. So we go and play Frisbee or we'll go outside. Next week, we're doing go-karting together, the whole company. That sounds amazing. I haven't been go-karting since I was like 10 years old or something. I'm like, part of me doesn't want to go because I go on the racetrack on my own time, like non-go-karting, like racetrack. So I'm, I don't know, we'll see how it is because I'm really competitive. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's really cool that we do that. I introduced it two years ago and we're still going strong. We haven't missed any days yet. But I think it's important for people to enjoy their time together. Like you're working, but I always say if a company... Like a, like a tech company or let's say a non-manufacturing business. If you're manufacturing, you can't close for a day because that's millions of dollars. But if you're like a smaller company or medium-sized company, if half a day a week is going to cause issues, then I always say there's some other things to look at, right? If there's that much of a, if there's a, if the efficiency break is that bad, that half, like four hours, 20 people is going to cause issues in the company, then you have to reflect on like, on on your management style and all that but uh, yeah it's very interesting stuff yeah that's that pretty much like leads exactly into one of my questions so startups often embody entrepreneurial and agile culture but it can be accompanied with high levels of stress how i think you just explained it but what are some of the things that you like to do to mitigate stress in that environment and i, I guess go-karting does seem like it would let off a lot of stress <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I like I just said, like, I feel like when you're in startup, it's stressful for everybody. And it's one break in the cog. If one person is doing poorly, it affects everybody. 
because we're 16, right? So we're not, we're, we're not big, we're not super small, but when one person is having issues or stressed out or a, not having a good time outside work or in work, it reflects really fast. Like it's really quick. I notice personally within a day, like someone comes in, they're not in a good mood. I can tell it's, they're not in a good mood. So what I always say to everybody and I always, I always say we're in this together. So we're going to stress together, but we're also going to make sure everyone's not taking too much on that they're not supposed to be taking on. So it's, it's, it's okay for myself to wear many hats, CEO, CEO, and other people to wear many hats. I think that's acceptable because we're in it. We basically own the company together. But like a good way to mitigate stress for us is for us to talk to, um, amongst ourselves. Hey, let's press right now. And then we like work together. We try and hash things out. We go for walks every day as a company. Like twice a day, we go for like a 10, 15 minute walk. But everyone else on the team, for instance, on the art team, that's great. It's, I think walking is really helpful. I always say putting pressure for the sake of pressure, it just doesn't help at all. But at the same time, I always say there's a couple of sides. If we all do well as a company, we get more clients, we get more business, which means more money, which means salaries go up. That's just that the thing is, a lot of people don't know that. Some people don't understand that's how it works. They're so used to big corporations. They're like, oh, my salary is whatever. Like it's chosen by some guy in HR. But here to start up, it's like, if we all do well together, we'll all be successful together. So we're all in this together. And the good way to do that is to do the half day Thursdays, go for walks. We play music in the office. We let people work from home. So and like, for instance, we now have a breakfast maker. So we have literally like a little machine, a contraption from winners. You put like toast or bread and then you put an egg and it cooks it for you. So things like that. It's like, it sounds stupid. It's like all these small things makes people happy. And also I think the work from home is a really big factor, especially nowadays. I think if you work from home all the time, I feel like some people are not meant for that. I think some people can't do that, but I think there needs to be a hybrid. You can't force people to go to the office five days a week anymore. It's just, it's not, there's no point. Like they noticed Microsoft did some research and they noticed people were working longer hours when they're working from home, their efficiency was th this almost the same, if not a bit better for some people and a bit worse for other people. But it's like, you can't force people to come to the workplace if it's an office. Like, I don't, I never understood the point of that. So I think it's like, there's a lot of small things to do, especially as a startup. I think it's the leaders, part of their job is not to just help delegate. It's to make people happy and to make sure people are in a happy position. And that's also, I understand work needs to be done, but at the same time, if you have, a, say, a couple artists and one prefers to texture over model, if you can have the capacity to say, this person's doing modeling only, this person's doing texturing only. And that, and so now they're happier doing the work they're doing or for developers. If someone likes doing internal development rather than on client, or let's say you're doing for us like a VR project, they have clients have modules. Let's say one person likes this module more than the other person. You let them decide. They're going to, they're, they will enjoy it more because they decided to do it. Right. So there's a lot of little things I think that are overlooked, but are really important that you have to do. I think that you guys are definitely embodying more of the European mindset. It seems like with your company, you're allowing people the opportunity to do what they're good at and people drive validation from that. If you just let people embody their strengths, like you're going to see such greater results. And another thing that I remember wanting to talk to you about is keeping a team that's lean 
and hiring with specific goals in mind in the VR industry, especially. Could you just talk a little bit more about your philosophy on on that aspect? Because I think you have some pretty cool insights there as well. Of course, yeah. One thing that I've always felt, and then I also learned a lot from the CEO, he's kind of like a mentor to me, is that contracting people out is going to make them less happy. And also it's not as good for the company. We actually don't have any contract hires. We've never contracted any hires out ever. We've contracted companies to do small things. We've never contracted a person. The reason why is that it sets an expectation that they could be fired at any notice or there's a deadline as a timeline and they have no idea if it's going to be staying or not. So part of that is there's going to be crunch periods, some crunch periods for people because let's say you need people at the time and but you don't need them in three months or six months. Like how do you handle that? So I always, I always say you have to be really good at planning in order to not contract anybody. You have to be really thinking ahead all the time. So like, for instance, like when I hire, like when I'm looking to hire an artist, I'm like, do we have enough work for them to stay here permanently? That's the first thing on my mind. I don't want to interview someone, waste their time, hire them, and then, oh, sorry, we're laying you off in six months or like a year. So that, that kind of goes into the agile thought where you can keep a team really lean and pretty small as long as you're good at really organizing and planning. The responsibilities are good all around. Uh, and also make sure everyone's competent and, and, and that people are okay with that leanness. So here, when I'm looking to hire people, I tell them that. I'm like, hey, this is not contract. There's permanency. We're small. We're lean. And we like to keep everything really tight. Like our deadlines are really tight. Like people would, like that, I think the one thing that the CEO loves about me is I'm like, if it's due on Monday, it's due on Monday. Uh, but if something goes wrong, then maybe we can change it by two days. But I plan really far in advance and I always give extra days, right? Just in case. So it all comes together. So here I always say you don't overhire. It's a waste of time, waste of money. And then as we can see, like companies like Meta, Microsoft overhired too many people. Like obviously they did. It was top heavy, bottom heavy, however heavy it was winded. They don't need 10 people to do a job of one person. And then it just overinflates and then and then sadly layoffs happen like that. So here we haven't had any layoffs ever. During COVID it was rough. We came close. But yeah, we, so we became really close and then we took the sacrifice of dropping our salaries in order to cover everything. But we, we stayed afloat. I guess some other suggestions I can make to people is that whenever you're thinking of a team always see how efficient can a person be on a certain project compared to someone else and put the more efficient person on this project and that person on this project because then you don't have to hire as many people and then also people grow way more when there's less people so i think that's one thing that some startup companies what they do is they start off and they have a company that's like 10 20 people then they get some sort of investment or angel investing whatever and they and like wow they have 20 million dollars and they overhire when you overhire and now you don't, the person who comes in, they have no goal set. Like they don't know where they're going to go because they have three directors above them and they have a senior and all this and you're just a junior and you're like, I guess I'm never going to become a director. So I always say it's, you got to be really careful with, again, things like that. You just make sure when you hire someone in, you have a goal in mind of where they're going to be two years, three years. You want to promote them, bring them up in the space. And it's like, Obviously, you can't have a bunch of managers and directors just running around all the time. That's also an area that I think is overhired in or like just too many of. You don't need three directors for art if you have an art team of 30 people.
So sorry, whoever out there who's maybe in that position, but I feel things like that. You just need to be like, you, you, I think you need to stop and think, okay, is this person really valuable to the team? And I think like our manager of art here, he still does modeling and texturing. For instance, he's a manager and he still does it. He does it, he loves it, and he's going to keep doing it. He's never going to stop doing it. And that makes us somewhat still lean on that side, like pretty lean is because then we, if we ever need something to be done, he can come do it. So that was a long answer, but yeah. (laughs) No, I I love it. I go into the weeds as much as you want. I'm going to shift. I'm actually really interested in what your thoughts on the rebranding of Meta and how that's impacted the VR industry. Basically, what do you think about that? And are there implications for the future that have been shaped by, we now have Apple coming into the fray. There's these really large companies that are defining the future of the VR industry. And just how do you feel about that? It all goes back to a long time ago when Facebook bought Oculus and then the founder of Oculus left. Now he's doing his own thing. He has his own opinions. But I think when Facebook first bought Oculus, Mark Zuckerberg knew what he was doing. He's a really smart guy. He's a really big advocate for VR, and I love that. No matter what other shady stuff goes on or privacy stuff, I don't really, it doesn't, I don't care enough because I'm in VR. I want him to, I want it to be pushed. It's big for them to do it. So they knew what they were doing. The meta, I was there watching live when it happened, and I remember I laughed because I thought it was so funny. I was like, what is this name? I was like, I know their business side. I know they're not ready for this. But at the same time, I think it was one of the best things that could be done at the time. Because it was COVID was happening, people needed a way to work from home and they needed new thoughts. And not everybody knew what VR could do. At the time, I remember looking at the logo, I remember curious, like, this is really, really interesting timing. And I know, like, all these other companies like Pico and HTC, they're really trying to push VR as well. I think that whole reveal, it, it pushed VR to, like, a new depth which I'm really happy for, whether or not and I'll go into like the whole idea behind meta and how meta thinks of meta, but it pushed it to everybody. So now everyone I know wants a VR headset. Everyone I know knows what meta is. And that's a good thing because before no one knew what it was. Like my parents knew, my friends knew because of me, but the average person had no idea what it was. When you put it to the forefront and it's like a company like them who is social media based completely, it's amazing. I think that they did a really good job for the industry. They pushed it forward. And also their hardware and their software is amazing. They have the best VR software by far. I can say that right now. I may not like how they deal with businesses, but I love their UI and their software is astounding. It's beautiful, really easy to use the headsets and the headsets are nice and clean and everything works. When it comes to the meta side, Oh, the, uh, the bad part they did is they basically set a precedence like metaverse. You're going to now, everyone's going to be in the metaverse. Everyone's going to have a headset. Metaverse doesn't exist. It can't exist. There's nothing for it to exist in. Like, it, like sadly, at the same time, there's all that NFT stuff going on at the same time. And then people overblew what it was. I don't think meta is ready. I don't think anyone's ready for a metaverse. And it's not, we're not there anytime soon. But I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to push themselves to be at the front of everything and the thing is they can afford to do it they have billions and they spend billions which is great there's if they don't do it no one else is going to do it it's going to be really slow i've been in vr for 12 years now i remember vr when i was like three years old my first time experiencing it and it's come such a in the past four years vr has changed so much then in the past 20 years 
which is great. A good thing to think about is like when the first cell phone first came out and then you see when like the BlackBerry and the iPhone came out and compare the first iPhone to like the iPhone five years later, even 10 years later. It's the same thing's happening. It's just maybe it'll be a bit slower, but I'm really, I'm happy it's happening. Obviously I'm in the industry. I think it's really good for training and really good to help people's lives. Now what the other companies are doing, I'm like slightly worried about some of the companies because now everyone's going to rush into VR and try and make their own hardware. Not like Apple. Apple, I know they've been doing this for at least like seven, eight years, maybe more. They've been on this for a while. I know that Apple is really smart. They're a really good company for technology. They know what they're doing. So like they waited, but there's always other companies trying to play catch up, trying to jump in to the midst, what everyone did during smartphones, and they're going to get left behind. Because that, I don't think they understand VR people are super, we're like the Italians, right? Like we think the wine, I'm Italian. We think the wine that's Italian is the best wine in the world. And we know what's good wine, right? So VR people are the same way. It's like when I throw in a new VR headset, I know as soon as it pull it out of a box, I know that VR headset is not good quality. I and mean, I put it on, I'm like, oh man, the UI sucks or the interface is not good. So it's VR people are kind of the same way. We're, like, we're all very we're snobby about it and we know what's good quality. And then if you put that and you compare how those people felt about Apple, then whether it's an expensive hardware or not, Apple did the same thing Meta did, which is everyone knows who Apple is and everyone watches the Apple showcase. Everybody. I don't even like Apple products, and I, but I know they're good and everyone watched it. So I think what that did is it pushed it even more forward. As Meta came out, changed their name, released, hey, we have these cool VR headsets, check it out. They advertised it everywhere. Apple's like, we have our own AR, VR kind of mixed reality headset that I don't really know all what it does yet. When you get my hands on one, but when you do. I don't think anybody does, honestly, at this point. No, nobody does. And like, I think that's cool though. I think it's, it's exciting that no one really knows, but at the same time, they say they support everything. And then the fact that they, as a company pushed it forward, sets like market now, give it two, three years, there's going to be billions more spent on VR. Give it 10 years. Everyone's going to know what it is and have used it at least once or twice or more. It's like what Apple is trying to do, whether people like it or not, is they're trying to replace computers completely. That's the, that is the end goal, whether it be 10, 20 years, like they're trying to get rid of like the iPhone, they're trying to get rid of the iPad, they're trying to get rid of their computer, basically, so you can use, you can do all that on mixed reality, kind of like a Black Mirror episode. Whether, whether I like that or not, doesn't like matter, it's coming. That's kind of like, you have to accept that it's going to happen. I would prefer it doesn't go like that. I'm like, I love VR, but at the same time, I don't want everyone to be in VR all the time. But at the same time, like I'm really happy. I would say they're the first to do it properly. The whole mixed reality thing where you can seamlessly work from your phone and your computer to your mixed reality headset. I'm just so curious to see uh, what it can do on the VR side, like on the training side. Cause there's some pretty cool like AR headsets, like real where I wouldn't consider HoloLens cause it's too expensive and it's in the frameworks closed off like it's so expensive to get into like this company's like real where it's like very cheap it's basically a little tablet on one eye and you get to like remote talk to people it's pretty cool so there's a lot of companies that do it i know meta is going to probably do something very similar like even better better i hope but uh, yeah the whole thing's very interesting if you look into it like I'm, over the next six months you're gonna see everyone's gonna start releasing headsets and saying they're all in ar and mr there is a bad point in where it could happen, I think, is just when people start trying to release 
MR headsets into the space on the Android side and the quality is not the same, it's going to probably turn people off from the industry. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's something that could happen for sure. I, I see your suspicion there, but I also think that if you look at smartphones, I think are like the best kind of example. Everybody has an iPhone or if they don't, they have some version of an iPhone because their market is totally flooded with all of these like crappy smartphones. People still, they're still excited about the next release of the next iPhone or whatever the Google pixel, I think would be like the biggest competitor. So I can totally see your suspicions there, but I think that will just push Apple and Meta to make better versions of their own products and just keep keep things up to date and not like rest on the laurels there. That leads into one of my other questions too, is outside of training and video games, which I think are the two natural things people think of when they think of VR, what are you excited about in fields like the medical system and education? How do you see VR transforming those industries as well? So it's funny, in terms of medical side, that was actually what I wanted to do originally in VR. (laughs) Before doing training, that was like, I was applying a long time ago, like five, six years ago, I was applying for a lot of medical VR kind of places. Now that I know the VR industry, I think the medical VR is going to be the last big push. And it's because there's so many compliances that have to be met to do with anything to do with medical. It's really difficult to get into. That's why we struggle getting into it. A lot of companies I know. Well, I'm really looking forward to training people to do really intensive surgeries, or I think what would be really cooler is using a VR headset to control a robotic to then do a surgery. That would be the most logical way to go with it. And the reason why is because they're already using robotics. And yeah, it's uh, next training level. people in VR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right now you can train people in VR to do some surgeries. For instance, if they train people how to do an appendectomy, right? To remove your appendix. If they train you how to do that in VR. The only problem with that is that they have laser surgery now and they have robots assisting people. When I got my surgery, that's what they did with me. They had a little robot laser to do. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know about that until I walked into the, in the room. They're like, yeah, by the way, we're using a robot to help with this. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I feel like that's like the most logical next step in terms of medical. I think it's going to take, again, a long, like longer than the rest because of all the compliance and then it's medical and it's people's lives. In terms of education, I'm really excited to see of two things. A is actually having VR being part of the engineering so that when you go to university, you have a focus on doing VR because that's like the direction they all go. Before it was all web dev and then it was like software engineering or like smartphone engineering, then moving into web three and like that. So I think the next biggest thing is gonna be like the, on the VR side, I pushed my university to switch my program around a bit to allow me to do VR for all my classes. <laughs> but, and then also I think there's a lot of really good research studies on applying VR for education. And what they see is that any sort of game-based design learning is a really good way to get people to learn. Not everyone learns visually, not everyone learns verbally, and not everyone learns by reading. There's so many different types of readers, and I think the education system needs to understand that a bit better, especially nowadays. So I think a really cool thing would be for some sort of education system to turn on and be like, hey, we know your kid or you as a parent, you want your kid to be at home. You want homeschooled learning because you don't like the classroom learning because you feel like it's not as good. We'll ship you a VR headset and then you can learn astronomy completely in VR. 
That would be so cool. I think that would be so interesting. Or learning anything, learning some engineering, or you could be like, hey, this is what Toyota is doing. You can send it, be like, hey, do you want to learn what it's like to be in a manufacturing industry or drive a forklift? Send a VR headset to someone, educate them. What is it like to be in a manufacturing industry? What is it like to be on a forklift? There's so many dimensional and immersive. Like yeah, that's, that's exactly. Deep immersion is one of the biggest challenges when we're working at Educate. I worked in academia for a long time before I came into work at Mudstack. Getting people to actually embody what they're learning to do is such a massive challenge. You have labs and that can somewhat be helpful in simulating. I like immediately when we were talking about VR and stuff, language acquisition. Oh, for sure. I I would have loved to have been able to do deep immersion, go to France virtually when mm-hmm. I was taking my French classes. It would have helped it would have helped immensely. And so to me, that's really exciting. Oh, it's amazing. Like a cool use case would be let's say someone wants to learn Korean or learn about Korea. You can have a bunch of 360 videos of places in Korea that you can see is what it's like when you're in Korea. There's some really cool, like long 360 videos in VR. And then you can have someone talking to the camera in Korean and then have translations and they talk slowly and they're going through it. Cause I think like learning languages, part of it is just seeing someone's t- someone talking is a really good way to learn and also being around people. So I think if you can't fly there because it's expensive to fly there, VR, if you have a VR headset already as an educator and you just pass it on to people, here you go. This is people speaking Korean in different regions because there's different dialects basically of each, you know, like the little mini dialects in each region. So I think that's an awesome way. I think like education, unfortunately, for some parts of education, the industry, some of them are too small to afford VR right now because they're just, it's so expensive to do. But I think in the next couple of years, the prices are going to come down, especially when the Quest 3 comes out, everything's going to come down. I think realistically, every, all the prices are going to, or, or we will drop. That's what Meta wants. They want the prices to come down. Whether people like it or not, like they want prices to go down to like sub 400. So anyone could buy a VR headset, basically. And then it'll jump back up. So then everybody could purchase one and then people can utilize it cheaper than now. I'm more curious to see of how major universities or major post-secondary schools will use VR. They have so much money and they can jump into it easily, but I'm just more curious to see like when they're going to do it. You will probably get your wish sooner rather than later. I think exactly what we were talking about earlier that Apple jumping in and jumpstarting this kind of attention, there's going to be a lot of focus and a lot of eyes on that. Unfortunately, similar to the medical industry, academia is very slow. It can take time. All right, everybody, that's going to be our show. We apologize that it ended a little bit abruptly. Right there at the end, we had some connectivity issues. We want to thank David for joining us today and being our guest. We want to thank you, our listeners, and we want to thank Mudstack for making this show possible. If you'd like to learn more about Mudstack, Go on over to mudstack.com or check out some of our socials on LinkedIn, Twitter, or join our Discord community. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time on Clear as Mud.